Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Once again to the United States of a movie podcast. Oh, that was a really good one. That was I should do that professionally. That was amazing. That was really good. <laughs> it's the uh, the podcast that tries to answer the almost impossible question as we try to find the one movie that defines each state in these United States. So impossible is this question that I, Ollie Pettigrew, am not alone on this endeavor. Joining me are two fellows that love movies just as much as I do. Ryan Sandler, welcome back to the show. Great to be here, pal. It's always great to have you. And of course, producer Will. Welcome back, producer Will. It's always great to be here. And we're rolling the dice on this one because we've got some things to say. Ooh. Dare you say we... We really doubled down on these movies. Oh, man. <laughs> you guys are gambling on these jokes. Let's go! <laughs> um, the reason that we're making appalling jokes about gambling is because the, the state that we are trying to define is Nevada. Now, first of all, is my first question, guys, because I learned this from presidential elections that have happened, that it's Nevada, not Nevada. Because I've always said Nevada, but if you say Nevada as a presidential candidate, you lose Nevada. Is this the proper pronunciation? Help me out. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> you know, my, my roommate, Ryan, he's from Nevada, has uh, never brought it up in his life. I don't think even they really care. That must well, be something yeah. they say to bully presidential candidates, which I'm all for. <laughs> yeah, none of us are going to be elected <laughs> president. But it probably comes as no surprise thing, seeing as I think if you think Nevada, I'm going Nevada, I'm just going to go British. Um, I think everyone on Earth just goes to Las Vegas. Is there anywhere yeah. else in Reno? Reno. Is, are there many famous movies about Reno, Nevada? Uh, there's Reno 911, Miami. That's what I thought. Exactly. Yeah, but that's Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Smoke and Aces technically takes place in Reno. Really? Yeah. And that and that's all I got. Well, well, there you go. Seeing as that was the list, it was kind of no surprise that we have, as a crew, picked three very Vegas central movies. Uh, Ryan, let's kick off with your selection. What did you pick? I picked, I almost said it, but I almost picked uh, Vegas Vacation because you can't legally call it National Lampoon's Vegas Vacation for reasons, Um, because I think it's the first one in the series that just doesn't have that National Lampoon's title. Um, But this movie... I keep thinking this podcast is going to get easier each week we do it, and it somehow gets more and more difficult. It is uh, the, so the, difficult. The, the run up to decide which movie to watch really comes down to like the day before we record this podcast, if I'm being <laughs> completely honest. Um, but this movie really holds a special place in my heart. Um, I, I was just on all the time again when I was younger, and it's probably the first vacation movie I remember seeing. See? And that's it, interesting it for me. Yeah, Ryan, you've talked about this before with me a long time ago. Um, but is that you come from the sort of generation, you're around the same age as me, but a lot of the first movies that you saw in series were the sequels. 
you That's saw, correct, yes. you know, it's the second movie in everything, Mad Max 2 yeah. or whatever. And it's like before you saw the first one. And I'm like, like right. Aliens before you see Alien and things like that. Teenage Mutant, Secret of the Ooze, Karate Kid 2. <laughs> Again, that's all I got. Sorry. <laughs> so that's that kind of fits with your with your narrative. So yeah, it's the 1997 yeah. Chevy Chase movie Vegas Vacation, uh, inspired by the John Hughes characters that came from the original classics, Vacation and, and Christmas Vacation, and things like that. Um, and then Will, Will, which movie did you bring to this fight? So I I waffled back and forth a little bit, but I settled on Ocean's Eleven. Now, which one remake? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> obviously the original with Frank Sinatra, because I love nothing more than boring movies where like nothing happens and it's all just sold on the top build talent. <laughs> so, yes, we actually went with the 2001. <laughs> didn't we? <laughs> yeah, I actually wanted a movie that people wanted to watch and was fun and was actually a good movie there. Honestly, when you said Ocean's yeah. Eleven initially, I think both of us assumed you were talking about the 60s one after Giant. Well, in the oh. group text, you... In the group text, you, pray, you had a prelude. It was just oceans, dot, 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 leaving us to be like, oh, no. Is it going to be ocean? Which oceans eight, oceans 13? So yeah, in, in this particular case, it's the 2001 Oceans 11 that stars everyone. George Clooney, yeah. Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts, Matt Damon, ad nauseum, keep going, Andy Garcia, it's Scott Kahn, I'm like Casey Affleck, and just go, 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 go. Bernie Mac, I can't wait to talk about Bernie Mac, that guy. Yeah. Amazing. Um, but at the same time, I think only because I was the first one to say a movie idea, because I think everyone's choice was the movie that I chose, <laughs> which is <laughs> the 1995 Scorsese classic Casino, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, hey, Joe Pesci, and Sharon Stone absolutely stealing every scene she's mm. in. So it is yeah. the, the Battle of Vegas. All right, let's see who rolls Snake Eyes. Oh, I should have gone with Snake Eyes. Oh, dude, no, write it down, write it down. There's <laughs> still time, there's still not, time. You know, I'm not, I'm not upset not Vegas. that, while well, I'm thrilled that I got to watch Casino again because it's one of my absolute favorites, I'm a little peeved that you got to pick it and I had to relegate myself to Vegas vacation. Hey, man, <laughs> you've won three in a row. move. <laughs> yeah, I know, I brought really into I, I am really taking a chance on this. Yeah, one, just but, just yeah. wait. At the end of this particular debate, Vegas vacation is going to be the movie. It's going to blow <laughs> your tits off. <laughs> no, I say so. Let's let's do it. Let's start off with Vegas vacation because, funnily enough, again we were on the group chat the other night, and uh, I think um, I think producer Will and I are in a similar feeling about this. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad I'm not alone on this. <laughs> but let's. Uh, I'll take Ryan. Why don't you? Uh, what is what is the premise of this movie? Break it down for us. Uh, famous Chicago family, the Griswolds, uh, decide to, uh, Clark has a, a deal that's gone through and he's got this, um, uh, this pre-packaged food and it got picked up. And anyway, he, he gets a bonus and he decides to take his family on the most extravagant trip they've ever experienced to beautiful Las Vegas. And they are not thrilled about it. I just remember that's right. He's like, one of his inventions, it was like, um, Food preserve. Four-year-old milk. Yeah. yeah. He's just, yeah. An eight-year-old cookie. He's opening up that milk sachet. <laughs> it's, you know, and this movie opens instantly. And I, I, for as many, again, this is a recurring theme, but I've seen this movie so many times, but I haven't seen it in a really long time. And the beauty about this podcast is, um, and you guys have not seen this, you hadn't seen this movie prior. No, no first time. So now in, in my mind, re-watching this movie, I'm uh, like vicariously watching it through your fresh eyes, trying to think <laughs> of like what you guys are going to think of. 
So in inherently, I'm watching it almost for the first time too. And I mean, this movie opens with Chevy Chase at his most Chevy Chaseiest, just a bumbling buffoon. And few people handle physical comedy as well as he does. And this movie opens up with him just just shredding through his neighborhood, driving while simultaneously yeah. looking at a map of Las Vegas, getting home, and then opening these packets of milk and dipping these old cookies in. It's just. It, it, it really it's very funny i thought it's it very funny. i i was going to honestly say a very similar thing about when chevy chase is at his best is when he's just it could be just trying to put plate food on a plate you know yeah. or trying to like because it's all these same i found that i was watching it with my missus and we were like oh he's basically playing the same character he plays in community and mm-hmm. like you know in a way he's just yeah. playing you know yeah. what's his face from community but in Fierce. community all those moments when he's getting to be funny is when he's doing some physical comedy where he's just yeah. trying to do something basic great. and he keeps making it ridiculous and he's spilling the ice cream and it's it. And when Chevy Chase, give him that situation with no plot and just go do some funny stuff for the camera yeah. for three minutes, he'll nail it. And, and you know, it's so yeah. funny, like anyone else doing that in this particular role, it probably wouldn't have worked and it certainly wouldn't have held up as well as I thought it did. Um, like the bit when they get when they're on the airplane going to Vegas and they decide to join the Mile High Club and they're him and Beverly D'Angelo are crammed in this tiny bathroom and it's freaking hilarious because <laughs> it's just yeah and it's the same thing no, maybe you should stand like this way or maybe you should yeah. turn around and it's just and the, the purse gets all twirled around and it's, it's great <laughs> Beverly D'Angelo screaming foot 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 just I love it I love it I see so now this is where maybe I kind of reveal a little bit about my comedic sensibilities. I've never thought Chevy Chase was that funny. Like he works in some things, but like vacation and then uh, Christmas vacation. Fletch, yeah. Fletch, you know, things like that. I thought he, in Caddyshack, he works really well in, um, but most of the time I'm just not on board with him. Uh, Community, of course, he's great. They utilize him fantastic when he's there. But, uh, uh, he's someone who really needs a director who knows what they're doing. And, and this, uh, I don't know if the person who directed this movie ever directed anything again. Yeah. It's uh, kind of that. It's the giveaway being, you go to the Wikipedia page and this, the writer and the director don't have Wikipedia pages. Right. <laughs> they're buried in the desert. It's yeah. yeah. <laughs> you gotta make sure you dig those holes before you get there. Otherwise you'll be digging holes all day. Cause somebody else will come walking up on you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess the thing about it is, is that it's, you feel, you know, I will, I think you probably say the same thing, but you definitely feel that it's not written by John Hughes. It's just missing. Right. You really John feel Hughes-ness. that absence. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. Cause, but I mean, it, but it's still weirdly, and we'll get into it, you know, towards the end, this movie still has like heart because it is a central story about a family yeah. <laughs> and it kind of has these heartfelt moments. I'm not saying I, I cried. I won't say that <laughs> on camera. I did not cry. I would, I would say Crying it right has <laughs> an attempt at heart. I, I, I think it's making a good college try to have some heart. I Fair. would argue whether or not it gets there. Yeah. <laughs> I will say to, to your point, it's not the best National Lampoon's vacation movie, but it is one of the National Lampoon va- vacation movies. <laughs> Even if it's it doesn't have the National Lampoon's it is, moniker. It is a vacation movie. There is definitely <laughs> yeah. a vacation in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and we all know the best National Lampoon's vacation movie is Christmas Vacation 2, which went straight to video. It was <laughs> all about Cousin Eddie. That's not a thing. No, my God, you're right. <laughs> there is. Uh, Actually, look, oh, yeah. that, that being said, 
to uh, he's just to, referring he's just referring to Randy Quaid's sex tape. <laughs> Actually, I think something we should start playing in this this movie uh, in this this podcast is these six degrees of wraith. Because uh, we're going to connect to the Wraith with Randy Quaid um, yep. being in this movie. And I have to be honest that, you know, as crazy as Randy Quaid is, um, I actually quite enjoyed him in this movie. He was quite, yep. like, in this one, he turned up and I was like, some, you know, he can be a nightmare, that character. But him oh and his God. missus, they were actually very funny. He had me laughing. Which there I were some great lines when he's, because when he's, he's inherently bad luck. And Clark says to him, he's like, you ever tell you you're bad luck? He goes, you know, those are my mother's dying words. <laughs> But when you're covered in third degree burns, you know, your mind tends to wander. And I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that is that was my really biggest good, laugh of the movie. Bits. That, that was bits. such a good line. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Good call. That was yeah. that was that was a great line. Um I could I could count on my hands. Sorry, I don't I don't <laughs> mean to be so mean to this movie, but be honest, go for it, Will. Yeah. You can count on one hand all the times it made me laugh. At the beginning, where he looks at the children and he goes, We don't even recognize you anymore. Yeah, um, <laughs> that was a funny meta joke uh when uh the dye blue for the toilet oh that was always bizarre. funny and yeah. it, and uh he tells the lady it's a birthmark uh, <laughs> it's birthmark that's it yeah and then the last one is when uh they is the cousin eddie line where he talks about his mom's dying words those were the three oh, times God. i laughed there was i mean he the, the shenanigans uh you know the bit where he gets separated from the tour group at Hoover Dam opens a door that's in the middle of the dam. Which it's insane. Like, it makes no sense. <laughs> but it's just it's it's just little bit, bits after bits. That whole segment where he's trying to plug the the wall that's spouting out water with bubble gum, and it's it's just insane. See, that's what I'm saying. All those moments of him doing one thing sixteen times worse. He just does yeah. it at the same time, just trying to plug up the water. But it's, it's but very it's funny. And then like. The whole like you know him trying to sort of tell his kids about the dangers of gambling, and then he he gets up for breakfast, and while he's off, yeah. he gambles like you know loses some money, and then comes running back, and then walks up again like that. So sort of the central thing that's going on, if you haven't seen the movie, is that that um, that Clark is uh, just terrible, and because cousin Eddie, every time cousin Eddie cousin Eddie comes around, Clark's losing. Uh, he loses basically the family's entire bank account, $22,000. You've got his wife is completely obsessed with Wayne Newton, who plays himself brilliantly and oh is just God. like just laying it on thick. And then the two kids as well was um, I, I, the guy. The thing is, because my wife and I went, when was this movie made? And then the kids turn up. I go, that's the kid from from um, that 90s uh, Empire Records. I used to watch. Yeah. I was like, this yeah. is be a late Ethan 90s Emery. movie or something like that. Yeah, and uh, and that Devin Sala. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I used to get him and Devin Sala mixed up all the time. <laughs> that actually that makes sense to me. I understand that. Yeah, so then everyone's kind of off on their own adventure. So Clark's trying to win his money back. She goes off and she's kind of trying to shag, but not shag Wayne Newton. The son gets the. I actually did like the son getting a fake ID skit with the guy oh, out on the street, and uh, like he so he lays it out and he takes his picture. And he's like, he turns his board around and then suddenly he's oh, holding yeah. it up and he gets just, his, his fake he, ID. Just doing a flawless Frank Sinatra impression. To, <laughs> credit to Toby yeah. Huss. I, like, I recognize his voice everywhere famously from Pete and Pete. The Adventures of Pete and Pete, excuse me. Yes. Um, but man, he, he slays that role for the two seconds that he's in it. It's <laughs> and then so, so yeah, you got on the one side, the sun is going off and he, he's like a gambling, just like 
genius. So he's getting comped. He's in. He's he in has the luck that his father has lost. There's the, see, I, I think you're overlooking how deep this movie is. <laughs> There's layers to it. And then, yeah, and the daughter connects with the crazy wild daughter of cousin Eddie, who, is, and then she's and she's just going out and being free and dancing in Vegas clubs and the like. Yeah, so, I think her. I think her character is actually like supposed to be kind of like a parody of uh nomi malone from showgirls which i know we've all seen multiple times honestly i was thinking about how showgirls yeah. should have been on this list yeah i, I have a read <laughs> i watched that one just for the hell of it yeah before we get too deep into it i think at some point we're gonna have to revisit that showgirls might be uh, a great vegas movie um <laughs> But no, I was just remembering that one of my favorite characters in Vegas Vacation is the dealer, the inconceivable guy. Wallace Shawn, baby. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. has just like, you kind of want to punch him so bad because he's just, oh, that's, he's just that smug little enjoying fuck. it so much. Oh, he's when screwing he, the, over the line when he's like, why don't you take half of what you were going to bet, give it to me, and I'll go out back and we'll kick you in the nuts. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Changing 1600. It's him like, ah, oh, just piercing. I love it. What a total prick. That guy, well, he just, he plays it so well. That guy is like, when I think when you understand, like, as an actor, like, that you've got a vibe or you understand yeah. your character and you just completely dial it up to 11, that's what he's yeah. doing. He's just, his the, face, the sheer. The only joy. direction he must have gotten was just do the same thing you did in, uh, in The Princess Bride. That's, yeah. that's fine. Just yeah, don't no, say no, inconceivable, no. but yeah. apart from that, do whatever you want. I mean, they, they, we get, what are we, I mean, I'm trying to sort of tick off the very Vegasy stuff that we get. You get, you get the rooms, you get the comping, you get the casinos, you get the, um, the buffet, you get the, uh, you know, going to the shows, you get, you know. Mm-hmm. Siegfried and Roy. Siegfried and Roy. This has it all. So, yes. And just, just to point out, two movies on this list have, have well, Siegfried and Wayne Newton, and two of them have characters named Rusty. Oh, this is oh, this is pretty good. Because like you're right. Because we think it's the same Rusty. Like in the I like to think this is (laughs) it has to be. Because I like no argument to tell me otherwise. Casino has not Siegfried and Roy. It has you know whatever those two guys that are supposed to be Siegfried and Roy. Yeah, Yeah, Jonathan something and Jonathan or whatever. Yeah, and I'm like I like how it's like oh we've got Siegfried and Roy at home. No, we don't. (laughs) Do do kids use lions instead of tigers? (laughs) Isn't that one of those weird things that everyone just knew Siegfried and Roy? Like, and is it one of those things that we only knew because we watched them in movies? That's one of those things I've never quite figured out. Is like Siegfried and Roy. Even I, as a foreigner, knew who they were. Yeah, they were like so prevalent. I remember at one point they even had an animated show. I don't they know if did. people remember this. Yeah, that's uh, so bizarre. Yeah, they were just so huge, and then um, I don't know something happened to them, and uh, now we don't hear from them anymore. <laughs> did yeah. one of them get eaten by a tiger? Oh, that's what it was. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, back then, like that was. They that was like the biggest show in Vegas before like the Blue Man Group and like uh, Cirque du Soleil. Like that was just that was the big draw was seeing these guys just viciously beat white Bengal tigers. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then Vegas just started doing the the Elvis thing, didn't they? They were just like get Elton John to live here for six months, get Britney Spears right. to live here for six. Celine months. Dion, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
really invest in Cirque du Soleil because those animals are fake and they don't typically nine out of 10 times they don't eat people. See, so, see, Siegfried Sig, and Roy's faces, though, are so, yeah. they, they kind of look reanimated, don't they? It's a little yeah. bit like, uh, you know, interview with a vampire, but if the vampires aged and did really bad Botox. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely had some work done. But you know what? The, the magic and the, 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 that whole scene where they get Chevy Chase up on stage is just ridiculous where he's like, Hey, I, I, listen, guys, I, I know the deal here. I know a little bit of magic and he does the thumb thing and they're just both looking where he like removes his, his thumb, <laughs> that, that old dad, dad bit. And they look over him. Like, I can't tell if they're like, what is this asshole doing? Or like, damn, that's some really good magic. It's really hard yeah. to tell. They play it. They play got to get a tiger to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the bit where they just, he disappears and they just keep cutting to Beverly D'Angelo looking at her watch. Like where the where did he go? <laughs> it's so insane. It and makes no just, sense. Yeah, and he just turns up like just appears, like a, yeah. like, a, like a tiger or and whatever. Like, he, it looks like he, the man has been beaten. He is like covered <laughs> yeah. in filth. He's got a chain around his neck. Like, what happened to him backstage? <laughs> I like to think there's a better version of this movie where he disappears in that scene, and then he's just gone for the rest of the movie, and the movie turns into the family trying to find him. Oh. It turns into like a thriller, like it's not even a like comedy a, anymore. Like the hangover. Like the hangover. Like the hangover, but if it was like yeah. really, really scary. And you're just it's Ooh. like a descent into the underworld of Vegas. Write that down in your journal, please. <laughs> Screenplay idea. So um so as as Ryan was saying, uh, this movie has heart, moments that make Ryan cry. And it, it's kind of the bit where I think um he's lost all the money. Cousin Eddie lends him that that bit where they're digging for money and Eddie's like uh where he lives on a nuclear on test his property, site. yeah, yeah, <laughs> so random. Um, and then he loses Eddie's money, money, but then he comes to the realization that he wants his family more than he wants the money. Seemingly out of nowhere, like yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just, he's like, I guess I'm out of money. Ah, oh, shit, my family. Right, 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 right. That's what I came here for. <laughs> the movie suddenly remembered it's 90 minutes, and it's like, oh yeah. wait, we get, we gotta <laughs> wrap this up. We gotta wrap this up. We need, we need a magical old guy, quick. But I gotta tell you, it all comes together so beautifully in those last 12 seconds of this movie. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he sits down then next to this uh, elderly guy who compliments Clark on his family. Um, Famously played by Sid Caesar. Really? Mm -hmm. So and his last oh, film. Yeah. Oh, because he dies in this movie. Um, yeah, <laughs> his actual death was recorded. He was committed. <laughs> yes, oh, that guy was method till the end, man. <laughs> but like, yeah, so the, the, the crux of it is basically that guy has been going to the casino his whole life. He's a lonely guy. He finally wins it. Was it Kino or whatever? Like, Kino. The game no one, fam famously no one ever plays. Like only elderly <laughs> people go to the casino, sit there. It's like bingo, basically. You just pick a bunch of numbers. And so mm -hmm. he wins and immediately dies and uh, kind of like gifts the winning ticket to the Griswolds in a way. Well, now, you're, you're, you're being <laughs> yeah. cagey there because he seemingly dies, comes back to life, I believe, twice, and then yeah. immediately dies when the staff, uh, the, the nurses come and look at him. They're like, yep, he, he did. I'm like, wait, what? He was just literally three <laughs> seconds ago talking to, like, whispering these secrets. Like, it's... I, I doubt those people fantastic. are real professionals. They, they seem like... <laughs> They seem real shady with their medical knowledge. <laughs> well, they are casino employees, so who knows? Yeah, I mean, yeah. is, it, is it maybe like the, the 30 minute sort of B plot that was cut out of the two hour version of this movie is that guy was an angel? 
you know, and it's, <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> He's the clearance. Yeah, it was this yeah. whole thing that was going on. So yeah, he leaves them the ticket. They get the winning ticket in a way. He's able to repay back cousin Eddie. They've got some money, and then you get that kind of that last that you were saying. The last fourteen seconds of it is, oh, Rusty won all these four cars. So they start driving back to Chicago in a Viper, or a Mustang, a Humvee, and some Ford or something. They look, <laughs> look like a little Ford Escort. They really like. Yeah, they only show him winning two cars. In the first one, he's just kind of walking on the street casually right after getting his fake ideas. Bear, bear in mind the greatest name ever, Nick Papa Giorgio. Yeah, so I was going to say, what was his name? It's got this kind of Greek yeah. name or something. It's fantastic. <laughs> Mr. Papa fantastic. Giorgio. Yeah. He becomes everything that Clark wanted. Again, this, this movie has layers, guys. You're not getting it. <laughs> it's got the depth of a casino or an Ocean's Eleven, but it's got the heart yeah, of a it, vacation movie. It felt like a casino because by the end, I felt like I'd been robbed. <laughs> yeah. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. Another bit, you're leaving out one of my favorite things, which I wasn't even sure existed. Um, when he gets the money from Cousin Eddie, they go off the strip to the old school casino style. Yeah. Where some of the games are a little questionable. Rock, paper, okay. scissors. Okay. Okay. Uh, rock, paper, scissors. War. Guess the number, which how does that work? <laughs> that bit was actually very funny. Which <laughs> hand is the coin in? I think for me, though, I was assuming that that was the part of the movie where he was going to win it all back. Because you'd think like, oh, this is like dad games and stuff like that. He's right. going to like absolutely nail it. But that was, I I did think that was a very funny, like. And what you're saying is this movie does one thing great and it's subverting expectations. You think it's going to be this <laughs> schlocky piece of shit movie, but in actuality, it's excellent. And I'm right all the time. <laughs> Secretly genius. It, it reminded, that scene, that scene was that I did get some chuckles out of that, especially to guess the number. Which uh, no seven? That, that, it's insane. Yeah, that was yeah. fine. But it it reminded me of a uh, if you guys know the sketch comedy duo Mitchell and Webb. Um, oh yeah, they did a uh, a bit where it was casino games, but it was all like carnival games, like done casino style. So it was like whack a mole, but casino style, and uh, it was like they had to guess the weight of like a fruitcake, and so it was like a similar idea. But it's so silly, but it's so silly. But it was like they took the same idea, and I'm like, oh, that sketch did it so much better. But I was watching that, I'm like, okay, that this is I, along the same lines, so it did get me a little bit. It was, yeah, it was a movie. No, it was good. Like, there's bits of it where you it would remind you of vacation or Christmas vacation or all those moments of Chevy Chase being funny or Randy Quaid. There, there were moments. It was just a little inconsistent as as a movie right. as it came together. I think um, it was, uh, like you're saying, it has layers. I'm like, uh, But now the argument here isn't whether or not it's a good movie. You're is right. It the most true Nevada Las Slash Vegas movie. You're right. And that it felt, I did say to my missus, you know, because it, this was a, was it year 97? Was mm -hmm. the, um, I want to say, yeah. 1997, I think, 96, 97 was my first trip to America. And it was my first trip to Vegas. And we stayed in the one that... Eh, it looks like a castle. Excalibur. You know, Excalibur. Excalibur, right. We stayed in Excalibur. And so I said to my missus, I go, weirdly enough, this is the movie that most feels like my first experience of Vegas because it's set <laughs> at the exact same time the first time I went. But I went as a 16-year-old. So I was very much having the experience of the kids 
Oh, well, there's right. nothing that we can do. This is really boring. <laughs> so, so, you guys, so you went out, got a fake ID, won four cars with yeah, four the thing is, Yeah, that's the thing as well, because I'm 16 years old at this time, but I'm British. Yeah. So at 16 in the UK, you're going to pubs. You know. I too was, you know, when I first saw this movie, I was I was like around Rusty's age. So I was watching this movie thinking like, oh, this is amazing. I got to get to Vegas. This is exactly <laughs> what I want to do. And then my first trip to Vegas was uh, not as fun, let's just say. <laughs> well, I think to quote Coach Beard from Ted Lasso, uh, one night's good, two nights perfect, three is too many. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 By. That's the way to look at Vegas. Let's jump into sort of like around the same time same vibe. Let's go Ocean's Eleven. Um, God, I love this movie. Steven Soderbergh. I, I was actually really happy when you picked this, Will, because, I mean, I have the Ocean's trilogy. Um, yeah. I, I, When those movies came out, I really loved them. Um, I actually am one of those people that really likes 12, the one that a lot of people were yeah. like, not sure. That's with uh, the Fox, right? They got yeah. yeah, yeah, with yeah. Vincent Cassel's first one. Oh, and, but, like, funny enough is... Going back and watch, watching Ocean's Eleven, I realized that over time that I've misremembered the movie in a way. Even though I remembered all the beats of it, mm-hmm. I remember it being as slick as Ocean's 13. Whereas when I went back to it and I texted you guys, I was like, I forgot how out of sight adjacent Ocean's Eleven was, how old school yeah. Steven Soderbergh it yeah. was. It was yeah. a lot more stripped down, felt a little more indie movie and a little bit more 70s movie than I remembered yeah. it being all glitz and glamour because you think right. all of these A-list stars. So yeah, what was your, your re-watching? What was your feeling re-watching Ocean's Eleven? I, I love this movie and this came out in such an like that time period before I was really versed in like Steven Soderbergh as a director who I absolutely love. The Nick on Max, definitely watch it. It's incredible. Um, but this movie just oozes style. I mean, the, the clothes they wear, the ensemble cast, everyone is firing on all cylinders. And they are just, just. I mean, I, I don't know who else you could have cast in this movie that makes it work so well. Mm-hmm. And just Brad, Pitt eat, Brad Pitt eating every scene, and just <laughs> chew, literally chewing on the scenery as, uh, as Rusty Griswold. It's just a great movie. I love it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> there's no evidence his last name isn't Griswold. You can't. Very it. true. It's very true. <laughs> this is, uh, yeah, this movie, I think this is also the first Soderbergh movie I saw. And I believe my grandpa took me to see this one. And uh, it's one of those movies where, like, the dialogue is so iconic. Um, and just so I quote all the time, like, when we're playing poker with, like, our friends and stuff. I quote all the time. I go, everybody, everybody all reds <laughs> yes. cards right you're like dude we're playing uno that works <laughs> yeah but see so, so have, you, have you guys ever seen out of sight have you seen oh yeah right i saw like, it very recently actually. actually well that's that's where I'm, i discovered that was one of george clooney's sort of first movie movies like mm-hmm. where he was kind of coming out of er that's ER, the, yeah. where i discovered the young actress slash um pop star jennifer lopez um she is oh jenny from the block Jenny from the block in Out of Sight. Um, Jennifer Lopez from Money Train? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the one. Um, but that that movie was one of my favorite movies as a teenager, like, because it was effortlessly cool. And it's got, yeah. like, Michael Keaton turning up as the same character he plays in Jackie Brown. Yes. Like, literally the same character. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got all of this great... So, I mean, I remember watching that movie, and I'm like, one, because Soderbergh, it was shot so cool. Steve Zahn, he's great. I could do a whole thing about this movie. But um, mm-hmm. Don Cheadle's in that movie. Um, yeah. But like, it's, 
the opening it's of Ocean's Eleven slick. feels just very slick. overlap with yeah. Out of Sight because even the character George Clooney is playing, he looks like his character from Out of Sight in prison. He's got the same beard, the same outfit. It's in, it's blue instead of yellow, and it's almost like what was interesting about Out of Sight is he's a guy who's in prison. He comes out, he's a thief, but he's not great at it. You know, it's a bit. Yeah. You know, Whereas then this one is like, it's the same character. He's in prison. He gets out. He's an exceptional thief. And he's just right. effortlessly cool. And he's like, these guys are so new school and old school at the same time. You know, I think, because I want to say, I want to see what yeah. you guys think. But I think that Soderbergh is clearly trying to evoke that sort of like the original oh, sure. oceans. Like, oh, it's you tell on the soundtrack. Like, it just you know, feels like a 70s heist. Yeah. You've got that thriller, sort of vibe, yeah. but yeah. then you're also putting that, that late 90s, early 2000s yeah. sort of like stamp in it. And I think it works perfectly. I think he yeah. puts them together perfectly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he really did kind of like nail um, the kind of dialogue and chemistry you'd see like, you, you know, Bogart and Bacall have back in the day but infuse it with like this kind of like perfect nineties um, visual style. It was just, it's yeah. fantastic. It's funny because he did out of sight and he did two movies or no, he did, sorry, three movies in between that and oceans 11, um, which is insane. He did the Aaron Brockovich, Aaron Brockovich and traffic. Yeah. Which a bunch of Oscar nominated Oscar winning movies. Yeah. 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 Couldn't be more different from uh, oceans 11, especially traffic and Aaron Brockovich. Um, but just goes to show like what a talent that director yeah, yeah. was I mean, on fire at that time. And he's the only director that's also his cinematographer. Yeah. Which is <laughs> unbelievable. But he does it under a pseudonym named Peter Andrews, which is, I love Really? Him. I love him. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. That's yeah. pretty cool. I knew yeah. he did. His, I remember he shot a movie entirely on an iPhone, which I'm like, oh, well, now we're all cinematographers. Yeah. Unsane. Un <laughs> that's right. Good. The thing is, that, I'm glad you mentioned that, Will, because I forgot that that's right. He'd had that run sort of late 90s of just, you know, Aaron Brockovich was just a, such a big movie and Julia Roberts mm. just killed it in that one. Then Traffic, you know, was that movie that was shot with the current filter that's on New York. Um, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> the Blade Runner. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, but yeah, that's, it's so, it's no surprise that it's, when you look at the cast of this Ocean's movie, it's also not a cast that's just over the hill. It's mm -hmm. absolute peak George Clooney. It's Matt Damon as he's about oh, yeah. to do Born and blow up. It's Andy Garcia, yeah. Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts. These guys are peak, peak. And then you get absolute bangers. Like you've got a supporting cast of Carl Reiner. He's great. Oh, in this movie. Gold. Oh. Bernie Mac stealing every single scene. <laughs> He's in <laughs> Elliot Gould, Casey Affleck, before he blew up, he was, you know, we just knew him as Affleck's brother. Yeah. You've got Scott Kahn, mm -hmm. you know, instead of his dad. The two of them, the two of them is maybe my favorite consistent dynamic in yes. this trilogy of films, hands down. Yeah. Like, give, I would watch the two of them do 15 Oceans spinoffs. Like, yeah, the twins, as they day. call them. They are, they yeah. are very, they're the bickering. Mormon twins. Is yeah. their bickering is so funny, and when they play different characters, and he's like, he's the balloon delivery guy, and he's there <laughs> in each other's face. And I think one of my favorite little bits about that is when Matt Damon's trapped in the back of the van, and you just you don't see the brothers. You just say, I'm not touching, can't get mad, not touching, yeah. and then you just oh, hear them fighting, and you just <laughs> you feel the tension building and building. So they, they do it. I mean, they must just be improvising the whole thing, but it's yeah. astounding. 
it's that's so funny because like Matt Damon, I've heard him talk about that scene in particular. And, you know, he grew up with Casey Affleck, you know, like mm-hmm. so Casey was always around and always with like, you know, younger kids. And so it's like Matt his little was brother, just like, yeah. So Matt was just like, uh, I wasn't really acting here. This is exactly what my childhood was like, is Casey yeah, would right. be like arguing like that with his friends, and I'd be in the car just like, oh my God. Like, can <laughs> they works. shut up? It just works. It works. <laughs> they they are no. they are great. There is one member of the 11 that doesn't work gets better in the subsequent movies but in the first I, I, one i was gonna say now ollie you've gone on record saying your favorite thing about this movie is don Cheadle's accent don Cheadle's accent it's <laughs> I mean, just, perfect it's Flawless just accent. not right it's just wrong i'm gonna that sounds good to me he's saying things <laughs> right but he's doing it wrong and it's one of those things it's so hard that you know, it's why so many Americans think I'm Australian. It's like, oh, it's the same. You know, the accents are the same. There's so much random nuance to a British accent for it to be proper, like to be perfect. And like, he's just not quite there. He's just, yeah. I'll leave it. Eh? I'm like, no, 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 it's, no, no, Don. I knew it was bad, but I, remember, I was like, I mean, how bad can it be? But yeah, it's a, uh, it, it kind of t- took me out of the immersive experience. It's just, it's all I could focus on as yeah, his, for real. his voice is basher. Yeah. He, like, he, he walks just, into uh, that first thing and the alarm goes, I'll leave it. And I'm like, no, uh, no, 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 you got a bit more on the T, a bit less on the O. And like, you know, so that's the only thing that I'm watching this. It's not as bad as I remember though. I'll say that because I'm watching it and I'm watching, I remember watching it in the theater and it, like you were saying, Ryan, every time he talked, I'm like, oh, why did they just make him American? <laughs> It's all I mean, gone Barney. Rubble? Uh, Trouble? Trouble. It was like, what? What? Is Barney. that a colloquialism? Yeah, you'd know. say we're in a bit of Barney is what you'd say. Barney right. Rubble. Trouble. Yeah, he's, he uses it not right, you know, which always... So the vernacular is correct, but the inflection and tone and In a way, yeah, it's, it's like it's wrong. right and wrong. And the thing is, the only yeah. Brits are going to spot it. But like, because right. there are examples of Americans doing it perfectly. And I, I thought Gwyneth Pouncher was a British actress. The first mm-hmm. two movies I'd ever seen her in, she had a British accent. In I saw Sliding Doors. Her British accent, I still say to this day, flawless. Flawless mm-hmm. British accent. I, I couldn't believe it when I saw her movie. Go, oh, wow, she does a great American accent. I'm like, no, dude, she's American. <laughs> what? I never understood the duality. Like, you have British-Australian accents that, that do very, like, clean um, English-American accents. But conversely, it seems like it's such a more difficult thing to nail a British accent because, you, you know, you get well, something like an Anne well, Hathaway where it kind of like takes me out of it. I got a theory um, and I think it's it, it's because American movies are worldwide and we've grown up on American movies. So even as Brits and Aussies, we're watching all of these classic American movies that we're talking about on this show. So mm-hmm. we've seen these, we've hey New York, we've seen accents, whereas you guys don't grow up watching British and Australian well, movies. As someone, wait, as wait, someone from, New York, from New York, that was a, that was a flawless <laughs> New York accent. <laughs> hey, I'm walking here. Come through. Yeah. Wow. Shut it, shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> See, my, my, counter, <laughs> my counterpoint to uh, the Don Cheadle accent thing is um, it's funny. So therefore yeah. it's perfect. <laughs> like, uh, you yeah. know, you could say like, oh, it's not accurate. Oh, it's not this. Uh, it's funny. So uh, therefore it's perfect. It, and it almost criticism. It, it, it does seem almost intentionally bad, but it, <laughs> it's, it's never what really I would do. confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> I feel yeah like, if I like, went to England, it's the accent I would do all the time. Knowing full well 
everyone would be like, we, we know you're American. I'd be like, no, I'll, I'm truly from here, everybody. Like, I would do it all the time. It's honestly how everyone talks to me anyway. Americans just genuinely can't help themselves. And I don't mind. Like, isn't yeah. everyone, all of you guys do it. You're like, hello, Wally. Hello, how you doing? I'm like, okay, hi, guys. Hi. Like, I was doing um, I was doing improv the other night, and um, someone from the audience came up afterwards, and she's, She's talking to me and she's like, I was like, oh, I was wondering where she was from because I go, is she okay? But she was trying to do a British accent and her friend was like, she does so good. Like her accent's perfect. And I'm like, okay. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. It was like Don Cheadle, really? Jason. But I'm like, okay, well, look, at least you're trying. That's great. I'm very happy for you. Um, I do realize at this point, just in case you haven't seen Ocean's Eleven and you're listening to this podcast, we should probably mention the the the, um, the plot. Um, Danny. Oh, Ocean- yeah. Danny Ocean, played by George Clooney, gets out of prison and within 24 hours has enlisted his best muddy buddy, Rusty Ryan. It does have a surname um, to basically put together a heist in um, Vegas for one hundred and sixty million dollars to screw over Terry Benedict, played by Andy Garcia, who, again, I remember I misremembered. He is quite scary in the first one. This is my favorite Andy Garcia. Yeah. President Andy Garcia from Geostorm. (laughs) Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just oh, watching God. that a couple of days ago. Um, it is, uh, yeah. So essentially, they they are just like they are um, old school con men. They they're not like they don't rob with guns per se. It's all done with a bit of panache and a bit of deception. Um, they go out there and they put together a team. Um, I do one of my favorite little bits of the movie is when they're there and because like. Um, George Clooney and Brad Pitt have kind of like they do the unspoken friendship thing really well. You do really buy into them just like digging each other, yeah. and it's like they're a bit we're in they're in the bar, and like Brad Pitt's just lying on the bar watching the, the TV, and uh, George Clooney's like, "So do you think we got enough with ten? I think we got enough ten. Do you think we should get another one? You you think yeah? Let's get another one. Let's get eleven. And like, there's just it's a one sided conversation, but it really does break down their characters really well. Their think, chemistry is electric well, more so all, than him, him and and uh, Aaron Brockovich. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but like when they go, it's when they go through introducing the eleven and sort of as they go and find them from around. It's also done in really clever, fun ways of. You know, you got the the guy, the the computery guy who's working with the FBI. He's getting tied up with the cops in the foreground, and then the camera pans back, and you've got, you know, the guys That's continuing right. their conversation. It was all very well put together, and you get to meet yeah. everyone, understand who they are, and like, uh, it's just it's a it's a well made movie that you're very quickly okay. We've met these characters, we understand who they are, the dynamics of who they are, and now let's get into planning this heist. I think it's a very very efficiently made movie. It's an incredible, I'm putting together a team montage. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it's just done so well. It's so stylish and cool. And it, and it's, I mean, before they even get to Vegas, I mean, it's, you're like 30 minutes into this movie. It's, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I don't remember it that, that way. Like we're out of it prison. opens with him in prison. Yeah. yeah. Suddenly mm-hmm. we're in LA with that card game with all of the like up and coming <laughs> actors of the time yeah. playing versions yeah. of themselves, which is very funny. Yeah, that's great. You know, Joshua Jackson and um, the guy from that seventies show, Topher Grace and stuff like that. Um, then we we jump over to Florida. We're getting Carl Reiner. We have a clip, quick clip with the the guys in Utah, the twins. We jump over to, to Chicago and we see we were introduced to sort of like young Matt Damon. You know, like and this is like Matt Damon is like he's won his Oscar. 
you know, yeah. for writing Goodwill Hunting, and he's blown up. But this is, this is before, like, you know, the Bourne movies blow up because then they start yeah. thinking about those in later movies, don't they? And I read that was supposed to be Mark Wahlberg originally in that role, which I can't even mm-hmm. picture outside. Like, yeah, this this movie has like so many people they went out to for like a lot of these roles that were. Yeah. I think they George Clooney said like Johnny Depp turned them down um, wow. and things like that. Like, the, you know, I think he was up for the Matt Damon role as well. Um, but uh, yeah, it's crazy the list of people who were almost in this movie, but they were like, eh, I don't know, it doesn't sound right. And now George Clooney like really yeah. makes one of those people. And I can't <laughs> picture after seeing it again with fresh eyes, like I can't picture anyone else in any of these roles. No. You swap one person out, the movie kind of falls under its own weight. Yeah, and I think it's it's a clever movie um, that that you're rewatching it and you've seen it before, and you see that they like because they give you instead of them just saying this is the plan. We get little elements of the plan, but they don't give us all of the plan. And then what bits of the plan we do know go wrong. So they have to sort of pivot and come up with like an alternate plan. So I thought it was very clever instead of it just going, because so many lazy heist movies either do one or the other, don't they? They either give you Mm -hmm. all of it and then they execute it or they give you none of it. And then they explain it in flashback going, this is what's happening. And they play all of those cards at the same time. And then, you know, with that moment, right, right as it's about to happen, you've got the, uh, <laughs> another great shot, but Don Cheadle watching the building being demolished on TV and you see it behind yeah. him falling. Like, you're like, he's watching it on TV as the, yeah. it's being blown up behind him through the window. Little shots like that. But that's when they suddenly realize they have to go and get the, the MacGuffin, which is mm. they have to break into this sort of like technological place in in. California and essentially get an EMP machine. There's, yeah, like, guys, there's an EMP in heist. this movie. Yeah. There's an EMP yeah. in a 2001 Las Vegas heist movie. <laughs> but that gives yeah. us and that, a pinch. That, They're doing a pinch. The pinch. That's right. We've got to get a pinch. Oh, leave it. Um, so they, you know, but they get the pinch, but that also then um, throws things off a little bit. Suddenly we've injured um you know the little ninja's hand they get the guy who's, yang you know, yeah you know yeah. this this amazing um sort of like uh martial arts this uh, guy yeah. that could jump around he's their yeah. their bag man um mm-hmm. uh chin shabo i want to say um but he's great you know he's like and you've got that little thing that rusty can speak mandarin <laughs> like and yeah yeah no no subtitles they just understand it's great yeah. i love that then <laughs> Yeah, but, Don Cheadle's reaction to that too. Just, yeah, yeah. He notices like what? <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's kind of like what I like about the Oceans movies is they do that is that they as slick as the guys are, what they're also very good at is is pivoting and you know yeah. So there's like an overreaching thing, and then there's a mini heist in the middle, and then there's all the stuff that happens at the same time. But I think the movie does a really good job of keeping you in the loop of understanding yeah. what's going on just enough. To be like, oh, okay, here you go. We're seeing the moves. We're seeing the plays. And it's like, it's coming together. Um, and I think it does it just, it's a freaking great movie. <laughs> I'm so yeah. happy to rewatch it, Will. Thank you for putting this on the list. Because oh, it's yeah. just fun to watch, isn't it? It is. It's, and there's it's like, just a good know, time. I, I love this movie. And for as tense as it, as it is and as terrifying as Andy Garcia's character, like you really do like worry that this like he's almost pulled out of casino which we'll talk about but he is a terrifying guy like if he catches you cheating they have that great montage when when he uh when elliot Gould's character yeah. says oh. three people have attempted <laughs> to rob a casino and they escalate and it's 
the most successful heists. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) One, the guy actually tasted fresh air before he was just clobbered. Um, I I still laugh when I hear "Take My Breath Away." Like this is the movie I think, and I I crack up every time. It's so good. It's um, so so good. But but I was saying like for as tense and terrifying as he is and they're doing this incredible heist there's really like no stakes because you know they're gonna succeed well in a way it's funny because then i'm watching it knowing oceans 12 right mm. and so i'm watching oceans and i'm going oh man look you've been caught on camera there you've left your phone they're gonna get your fingerprints it's no wonder terry benedict found you guys because i'm watching right. going this is the mistake you made this is the mistake you made this is the mistake you made right it's but like this movie like ruined this movie has ruined heist movies for me 100 soderbergh does mm-hmm. such a good job that like any other heist movie i think the one that comes to mind is like army of thieves just because it was the most recent one but you know you have the same kind of I'm putting together a team for this incredible heist and everything's getting built up, but there's no, like, you know, it's going to work out, but it's just not done as stylized as mm-hmm. these oceans movies. Everyone's well tried. Yeah. 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 I think a big part of the reason why it, it works and it's so iconic and why it's like, I consider it to be like the best example of a heist movie. I mean, obviously heat is heat and it's untouchable, yeah. but this is but like heist. You know. Yeah. But like as this kind of heist movie, the reason why I think it's the best example is because I, I think this was even on the original poster of the Frank Sinatra movie is like in this town, they're the good guys. They're the thieves, you know, mm-hmm. they're the outlaws, the bandits. But in Vegas, those guys are now the heroes because mm-hmm. you're like, I'm rooting for them to take down the house, you know, it's relatable. so yeah, you want, yeah, you want them to succeed. Yeah. It's this is like the one, the one context. That's, that's the one thing that where I put like oceans 12, like kind of beneath, cause I do like that movie, but when you lose that Vegas element of like, like in this situation, they're the good guys. Right. Uh, there's, there's something that doesn't work quite as well. Not mm-hmm. to say it's not a good movie, but uh, there's an element that's lost. So there's a, there's two things I want to talk about. One um, is I thought it was very clever in it. Cause I always remember it because the first time I watched the movie, they'd conned me. So it's the con that the movie plays on us, which mm-hmm. is about Carl Reiner. Like at the beginning, mm-hmm. they're asking, oh, are you over the hill? Then you see him when he finds out it's 160 million, you see him kind of like, like touch his chest. And then later on, mm-hmm. you see him like have some indigestion and take a pill. So when the it ulcers. gets to the absolute crux moment of he's playing Zerga, Lyman Zerga. Lyman Zerga. And so he's there and he's in and the, the heist is going. There's no way of stopping. And then suddenly he collapses. And like, I remember watching the movie the first time going, oh crap, like, like how are they going to get out of this? And then it's revealed to be part of the plan. And, you know, and I'm like, that's brilliant because mm. they've planted without saying anything. They've just with a couple of visual clues made yeah. me think that Carl Reiner is like about to drop this, dead. This, the seed of doubt. Yeah. They, and so once, such a good when they, they played that hand perfectly. So it's like, you know, to go with the whole gambling parlance, but it was a great bluff that I went all in on. And then, then they go, ah, ha, 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 you know, mm-hmm. actually no. And I'm like, well played. Um, so and then the other one is just, I want to talk about Bernie Mac. Cause that guy. Yes, thank you. Yeah. He's yeah. the reason I moisturize. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Brilliant! Where he's got the guy's hand, he goes, you got real soft hands. And it's going on a whole thing, and it's like, you know, I, I tried unscented for a while, and just won't let the guy's hand go. And it's the lovely, he goes, I reckon I could do you for 17, squeeze 16! Is yeah. just that great little comedy, again, comedy bit. Of Tim, Tim, Tim Denim? Denim like Gene. <laughs> <laughs> Fun bit of trivia for you guys. Fun bit of trivia. The guy that plays Tim Denim is also the guy in Casino who gets his hand whacked with the hammer. Get so he's doing some really oh, good hand acting. Out. Yeah, it, You're kidding. Yep. That's How a cool is that? That's a great one. I love that. Thank you. Oh, wow. I guess right in my little my little oh, So he's only cast in movies where his hand gets completely obliterated. <laughs> He was originally Chunk in the Goonies, but it went wrong. So they had to recast. <laughs> oh, man, I do Bernie Mac thing. is so good. I miss him. I, do one thing I miss him. Doing like, well. seeing him in this movie. And the only other thing I remember, like, having him pop up in the first Transformers film. It's just, yeah. just seeing him, just it, he's so electrifying. What's his I'm name in Transformers? Then, Bobby something oh. without the runs. It's like, yeah. Oh, God. I, I've tried to block out that movie, so I don't know. The first one is fine. <laughs> I can tolerate uh, the first one. Like the bit where he and Matt Damon are getting into it. Yeah. And oh God, it's so good. The dialogue is so good. And he's like, I'm gonna dance up on the table and he's like, That's That's it'll, it'll right. Oh God. Yeah, and he does cracker. You know, he does that kind yeah. of like that really dismissive yeah. hand thing yeah. as well. Yeah. Great. It's great. Uh, it's such good physical comedy. It's so, so good. He's brilliant. I mean, like you're saying, you know, you watching it really makes you miss Bernie Mac. Yeah, um, yeah, and just realizing. I mean, I mean, like the fact is, I you say the cast, and you get to him, him like tenth on the billing, and he's still every he's scene he's in. You're looking at Bernie yeah. Mac. Every scene he's in, he's stealing. And I'm like, that guy is so good that he can with the A-list powerhouse Oscar-winning crowd. You're still going, man, Bernie Mac killing it. That guy's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that movie, like, it's great. You've got the cool action scene, like, in a way, it, it, it plays out, all ends up in a happy sort of ending. Uh, and then, uh, you know, he goes to jail. He sort of, it's quite clever as well that Danny gets busted because it, it's the other sort of like thing that the, the sort of undercurrent of Danny's actually doing it not just to steal money, it's also because this guy stole his wife. Rusty mm-hmm. gets into and about that. Danny gets blown, not like that. <laughs> so he can't take Hang part on. in the heist, but then he's figured out another, another mini con in the middle of it to kind of then be in on the heist as well. So it, it all... Much, much like National Lampoon, much like Vegas Vacation, this movie has layers, guys. Oh, what I, what I like is all the terms that they use for cons. You know, when they're talking mm-hmm. about... You know, oh, we're going to have tonight to this or that. And it's like the biggest yeah. Ella Fitzgerald of all time. And I like, I like yeah. all these. I want to kind of yeah. get into are these real cons. Or are they, they are. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know what they all are. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I feel like at this point, we should address the Martin Scorsese sized elephant in the room, which the is, <laughs> which is <laughs> one of the greatest movies ever made the 1995 picture casino robert de niro joe pesci um de niro as the most de niro pesci as the most pesci and an oscar winning turn from sharon stone in mm-hmm. what might be i still like i circle around what my favorite scorsese movie is 
And it's like, every time I watch one, it's this one, then I watch it. But Casino is <clears throat> so, so good. Yep. And it's like, it, it's so many things about Scorsese that I love. Like, um, like you know, it, using his voiceover um, to, to great effect, is, which for some is lazy filmmaking, but for Scorsese, it just works in the way he tells his film. Yeah. The, yeah. the theatrical lighting choices that he does sometimes oh. where everything goes down and you just like, it's a spotlight on That's somebody. Fine. I love that way that he does that. But I think, and I, I, what I love about this casino, like casino is that something that you find Scorsese does is he starts the movie at the end of the movie. And then in the first 10 minutes of voiceover, he sort of takes you back in time through the movie and then gets you back to where the movie begins. I'm like, how does he do that? And it makes sense. He's done it before. Well, Casino is perfect. How does he do that? It's the, it's the classic record scratch. You're probably wondering how I got yeah. here. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yes. But then after the record scratch, he then plays the record backwards. He doesn't go to the beginning of the record because then the next time we see him, he's running the casino. The next time we see him, this is before he's even been brought into the casino. It takes 10 minutes of flashback before we see him as a young guy just making bets on horses. You know, anyone else would go there first and then start the story, but he actually shows you where the story's going to go in reverse, then takes you back and then starts telling the story. And I don't know how he can do that without spoiling it or anything like that. He goes, no, no, it just makes sense. He goes, here I'm going to do, I'm going to tell you a story and then I'm going to get blown up. <laughs> well, I, think, I, I think one of his strengths as a filmmaker is he knows, especially in Casino, he's like, you know, it sets you up to like, okay, you know, the scene is coming. And then by going back to like the flashback to like the beginning where you get, um, De Niro's, uh, his character, I get a mixed up, his character name mixed up with the real guy. Um, Oh, Sam, Ace Rothstein. Rothstein. Yeah. yeah Cause, uh, lefty, lefty Rosenthal is the real guy. Yeah. Um, right. I get him mixed up. Uh, but yeah, going back to see his origin, uh, really does kind of help, you know, you on this journey of like, okay, how does A lead to Z in this case? Mm -hmm. Like, and it's, it's, he's able to just hook you with that and be like, you're watching the whole time. Like, okay, how do we get to the car bomb scene? And it's mm -hmm. fantastic. It's just, he's, he's just brilliant yeah. as a filmmaker. And, and he knows three hours later, three hours later, you've completely forgotten that the opens with a car bomb scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> until, until when it, it comes back and we have, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even, and it's brilliant as well, because it's just, you have kind of forgotten and um, another one of the stars in this movie is the um, the costumes. But um, oh, yeah. is he he walks out of that door wearing a suit that no human being could pull off, <laughs> <laughs> and he is, and you go, oh crap, that's right, you know. But I like I love that I love his character Ace, his outfits, his blue suits, his yellow suits, mm -hmm. his pink suits. Um, like, you don't see Robert De Niro dressing like that ever. And like you're yeah. so used to Goodfellas where it's black soup, black soup, black soup, Crazy. you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. I love it. He's, he's, I want to dress like him for Halloween. <laughs> oh, but all of them too. I mean, you get Ginger, all Ginger's, uh, Sharon Stone's character, all her, her wardrobe. I mean, this movie is just dazzling when it comes to costumes. I don't know. Their, their yeah. costume budget was probably $2 well, not, million. Dollars, not just saying. costume yeah. as well. I mean, I'd be interested if you know more about this, Wolf, because I haven't gone into this too much. I don't know too much of the behind the scenes of Casino. But like, for example, I was noticing that all the shots in Ace's house are shot in the house. Like you can see through the mm -hmm. windows 
there's the golf course in the background or there's the cars out front. So I guess it's a functioning sort of set slash house that they're using. And then, of course, you're shooting inside these casinos that I'm like, it doesn't feel like they were using sound stages. That feels like they were using a lot of just location locations. Yeah, they yep. did have to redress uh, a lot of stuff. Um, but yeah, no, they that's something that Scorsese wanted in this movie is they didn't want a ton of sets. They wanted to actually shoot it in Vegas because his whole thing was like, you're you're not you're not going to be able to fake capture, you know, the feeling of Vegas. You have to kind of actually shoot there. Um, I and, mean, uh, I say that, but I, Oceans was doing that. You know, Elliot Gould's house mm -hmm. felt very like you know thing, and they're definitely shooting in and around Vegas and the Bellagio and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But it's like, well, I sort of it's done in a way, I guess, with Scorsese is I didn't notice it until I realized. So I'm saying yeah. it's, like, it's not like, look how showy we are. It's just kind mm -hmm. of happening. But the movie's so engaging that I didn't even clock this level of production value that was going on. Yeah. And yeah. especially for a three hour movie, that's a lot of production value and attention to detail. And it's a period piece. So there is just so much. The continuity person must have like retired after this. Like, I, I can't <laughs> even imagine Trying to keep I read that uh, because he chain smokes, he kept having to hold the cigarette cl as close to the burning end for scene consistency, so it didn't look like the cigarette was changing back and forth. So mm -hmm. By the way, he's always there, and he's always holding it the same way. Yeah, it was yeah. clever, because again, again rewatching it, it's kind of like, in the same way that I think one of the best movies in recent time that's taken back, people back in time um, was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was all mm -hmm. the, you know, the redressing and to make it look like old school. And there was this one sort of wide shot of Vegas where the car was pulling up. I think we're talking about Ginger. And I realized that it was sort of like um, 90s special effects, but done very effectively of the Tangiers. And so they put sort of old casinos in the background and the lights doing sort of thing and realizing, oh, in my head that, oh, those weren't there. So yeah. again, because you know what Scorsese's done is filled the foreground with all of these seventies cars and outfits and everything else. So you just immediately feel like, oh yeah, of course, this is yeah. the this is the seventies, this is the eighties. He's so good at that. Yeah, and you just buy into the world instantly. And I've seen this movie like you know dozens of times, and I only clocked it this viewing. You, know, you brought it up too last time when we when we talked about Dazed and Confused. Like that movie, this movie just feels like it's set in that era not it doesn't feel like a 90s movie set in in the 70s i mean it feels the other way around almost well, it's it's yeah scorsese not only that what's he also amazing at is music oh, he's mm -hmm. just oh my god martin scorsese music like he just always gets the absolute perfect song for the time the vibe the shot i just he just is it's always genius. give me shelter <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is why, and that's the greatest yeah. song ever, and I listen to it all the time. Or, or sympathy um, for the devil, like. So let's again, just in case um, you guys <laughs> haven't seen this movie at home, it's the Martin Scorsese picture where uh, basically De Niro plays Ace Rothstein, uh, a Jewish American gambling expert, that the mob um, get to run a casino in Vegas and basically sort of run the casino well. But then you've got you've got uh, Joe Pesci's character, who's a made man, whose job is to look after look after Ace um, the and the, the Golden Jew. Uh, so, like they got so many hilarious ways of referring to him. Um, yeah. And then we've got uh, the J Ginger Sharon Stone's character. She's kind of like a bit of a player. She's a bit of a hustler, um, a socialite of Vegas, and um, she ends up you know kind of 
in a relationship with De Niro. But it just it's basically Goodfellas plus Vegas. Um, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to put it. It's, it's pretty much. Also, also to point out that James Woods crushes. In this I was going to get uh, exactly as, what I wanted to say. Maybe the greatest name, Lester Diamond. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the thing about it is, is yeah, James Woods kills it in this movie. Oh. And the thing is, as we've learned through time and his Twitter, James Woods is a real piece of shit. Um, yeah. But, like, <laughs> yeah. But Who would agree? He's method. When he plays these characters, he nails it. It's kind of like, I have to say it, but like he's great in White House Down. He plays a real yeah. POS in White House Down, <laughs> and you can believe it. Like, you know, yeah. to the point that at the end when he gets killed with a minigun, you're like, yeah, take it, James Woods. But and then yeah. John Carpenter's vampires are like, eh, James Woods, just be yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But in this, you are, I mean, in a Scorsese movie with these characters and these character actors for James Woods, he does nail it. Yeah. yeah, he's in there in his Prada suit as well. You mean like he's got some <laughs> oh, great yeah. outfits? I could totally buy that he was an absolute creep. That's how good he is. Yeah, <laughs> the pimp, the pimp, the golf hustler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think I mean I I I don't think anyone's going to argue with me on this one. But I think there's one person that is just operating on a whole other level in this movie, and it's Sharon Stone. Sharon yeah. Stone's ginger is yeah. as you know when she's playing younger ginger she totally feels it's like an iconic role she iconic. owns yeah yeah but like when she gets later on and she plays you know i mean like personality she's starting disorder. to lose it yeah just mm-hmm. i mean to a level that is so accurate and so real and so my wife was like you know she's watching going what the hell i like i tell you my baby she goes did she win it i'm like yeah she won the oscar for this because like, yeah I mean, look at it. It's just, it's it would have been insane had she lost. Yeah. Like, oh, she, yeah. yeah, that performance is incredible. I mean, they're all really? nailing. I mean, Joe Pesci, for a hobbit sized man, is one of the scariest dudes, like, in movies. Oh, dude, he is terrifying in that. So intimidating. And like, I remind oh. it, I remember actually, because, like, um, I remember it must be about 96. This movie comes out on VHS. We gone to Blockbuster. My brother and I, so I'm like, you know, I'm 14-ish. My brother's 16 and my younger brother's 11, but he's not really watching it. But my Simon and I, my older brother, put on Casino VHS and we're watching it just fine. And my mom walks in for the oh, uh, no. for the bit where he takes the, the pen and oh, yeah. fucks the guy oh. up. <laughs> so he screws the guy up with God. the pen. And, oh. um, and like, my mom was like, what the hell are you watching? Goes in and she stops the video <laughs> and takes it away. And we're like, what? Yeah, maybe maybe not the worst scene she could have walked in on though. <laughs> no, yeah, are, she had walked in the vice scene. scene. Yeah, the, yeah. The, you know, <laughs> taking the the pen and just yeah. you know murdering the guy with this pen, and it's one of my favorite lines as well. When it's like, you better, you know, if you beat him with a fight, you come back with a bat. If you beat him oh, with a knife, he comes back with a gun. If you beat him with a gun, you better kill him because he'll keep coming back and back until one of you's dead. And I'm like, talk about boil down a character in thirty seconds. Boom. Mm-hmm. After a scene, slow motion, slow motion, like smoke, and you've got the blood dripping off the pen. Masterpiece. Oh. You know? Oh, yeah. That, yeah. that dude, I mean, that dude is the guy he stabs repeatedly and then kicks. And then he's like, yeah, look, listen to Macy's crying like a little girl. Just, yeah, a little girl. Like, yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. Like, that guy is not okay. Like, they had to dig no. a lot of holes for this movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, 
you know, what's interesting about Pesci in this movie is that, you know, in Goodfellas, uh, the character he plays based on also based on a real guy, uh, he famously doesn't resemble the real guy at all, but nailed like the personality, even, um, yeah. the guy who Goodfellas is based on was like, Oh yeah, he nailed, you know, exactly yeah. what that guy was like, um, for casino, uh, the character, so he plays Nikki Santoro in this movie. Uh, but the real guy, Tony Spilatro, I guess they resembled each other. So like, so well, like awesome. Pesci was like, really looked like the guy. So like the pit bosses who were kind of around at the time and knew the real Spilatro, like, I guess they were like, Oh wow. He, uh, that looks like he came back. And so that must be a terrifying thing. Yeah. If you know, this guy, this terrifying man is dead. And all of a sudden years they, later, he kind of walks back into the casino. I would, I would, <laughs> I would quit. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, nah, I'm, I'm they not do, doing this. They did such a good job building up just how terrifying this character is before you even see him do anything. And then they just keep kind of leveling that out until you know that their friendship is going to reach a tense conclusion at a certain point. You're like this guy who's relied on him to protect him and do all these horrible things. Like, Oh, now uh, I, I can't trust him anymore. Yeah. I'd be shitting my pants to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, Pesci is, he's a genius. And I think like Scorsese uses, what I like as well is that Scorsese is so good at humor in these movies as well. These, these yeah. moments of humor. One of my favorites is when we've learned that Pesci's bad like as in, he's a bit unsafe, he's a bit dangerous, but he's also been banned from the casino and he's in there, he's, he's gambling. And the guy's oh. like, keeps, it's that bit of it's a face card he's again. Throwing the cards card he's throwing again. the cards And they cut to the way. dealer and even he's like, oh God, like he rolls his eyes, yeah. like, I can't believe it. And it cuts to the pit boss. And it's that bit, it just, it's so funny yeah. as he's just, take that part and kill it. Just beats, it he just beats the shit, he beats the shit out of Don Rickles using a telephone. Yeah. And he's yeah. got this, that oh. great kick, that Pesci kick that he does. It's, it's a full body heave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the, I could talk about this movie for, for hours because, I mean, it, it is like a three hour movie, but it doesn't feel like it. Even though my missus like, she's no. on the sofa drifting in and out while I'm watching this. And she goes, I feel like this movie's been on for a week. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Much, much know, like Giant. Yeah, much yeah, like much Giant. It feels like an entire <clears throat> season's worth of yeah. TV show in one I was going to say, leading up to this, I watched all 106 episodes of the Josh Duhamel show, Las Vegas, to, <laughs> in preparation for this episode. <laughs> Required viewing. Yeah, dude, my show in uh, Singapore, my show used to come up right after um, Vegas. Um, so my show Sony Style, and this is back when I had like I was clean shaven. So then the posters would come up, and Josh Demel and I were both young, fresh faced. We looked exactly the same. Yeah, and you so do have a bit my of whole, him. my whole thing growing up is people would always go, "Oh, you know, you look like Josh Demel." It's because we'd always be this commercial going seven thirty, Las Vegas, eight o'clock, Sony Style yeah. on AXN. And so I was like, we, we have we Josh Demel at home. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm the Josh Demel we had at home. <laughs> um, That's why you like Transformers, the first one. You just watch the screen, I you're like, it. "Oh, I'm in I this exactly." I knew it. I knew it. I, I could have done. In that movie come on um another like uh, thing i like in this movie uh two things one is the addition of one of my favorite martin scorsese actresses his mother um mm -hmm. it turns up that in the scene, scene is great she's great but also oh. the guys that he gets to play the bo the bosses and the underbosses there is this insane amount of hand acting going on 
Like, especially with yeah. Remo, the guy. Oh, the, Remo, oh my God. But his hands, they don't even move with what he's saying. Like, they're just, they're but, bouncing but, all over the place. But they move with such vigor that you're involved in everything he's saying. <laughs> the way he throws the cards down, his hand yeah. does this thing, and I'm like, you know, like, no one can move like that. And then it's the other guy, the guy who's whining on the, the they've yeah. got the bug, and he's like going on and just spelling it out. But everything oh, he's God. doing with his hands, what am I supposed to do? And he's like, it's just, yeah, it's if he tied his hands behind his back, he wouldn't be able to speak anything. And I'm yeah. like, I loved it. The, just the amount of Italian hand acting that was going on was mm. for me. There oh, should be an Academy of, Give me more. There give me an, more. There should be an Academy Awards section for Italian hand acting. <laughs> it's still my favorite, my favorite internet joke of them all is the poster for Alien. And so it's just the, the xenomorph's head and it says Alien. And then there's this, the poster next to it with the xenomorph's head and two hands doing the Italian hands and it says Itali- Italian. The xenomorph doing the Italian hands. I saw that. <laughs> Laughed about it for maybe a week. <laughs> I, yeah. like, I love those random internet jokes. I'm like, well, you won the internet for today, sir. Congratulations that's, now, that's a, now that's a spicy meatball. This <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, is the egg that hatches there's a face uh-huh. <laughs> there's still there's some absolute classic scenes that themselves get referenced in other movies um uh for example that that great shot where you know he's um meeting joe pesci out in the desert for, and gives himself oh, yeah. that 50 50 chance and there's that great shot mm-hmm. there's massive glasses and you see the car go through the glasses with the plume so of smoke cool. and then that mm-hmm. got pastiched exactly in the movie hangover with yep. um <laughs> With uh, what's the the guy, the little guy from Community? Oh, Ken Jeong. Ken Jeong, right? And he's his glasses, and you Sen- get Senor Chang. Yeah, Chang, Senor yeah. Chang. Uh, <laughs> they do that exact shot as well. I mean, so yeah, I mean, like it. it this movie hits everything for me. Um, it, it hits. It's you. We've, we've talked about the music, the the design, the costumes, the acting. The fact the story itself is kind of like, you know, based off this sort of true S story. So it's got almost that kind of like historical feel to it as well. You get the uh, you get the Vegas, you get the old Vegas, the new Vegas, you get the deserts as well. I think it's just it's absolutely smashing. Have have you ever seen the footage from the actual like the bit where um, Robert De Niro's characters arguing with my favorite name? Dick Smothers, <laughs> the uh, not the, the congressman or the whatever. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, "Tell me, I was at that dinner that you can watch actually the news footage from that, which exists, and it's almost like verbatim line for line." What? And then the scene where yeah, it's it's incredible. And the scene where Nikki is walking on, he's like, he says, "I got they'll, they'll throw me in jail if a guy slips on a banana peel." And he's like, he says, "Watch your step, watch your step." Like you can watch that where he's in the street, and it's. Literally verbatim. It's it's really interesting to see those. See, I didn't realize that. This is again like yeah. you know how usually I'm pretty deep on the behind the scenes when it comes to movies and stuff. But this is a one that I didn't even realize until very, very recently was actually based off these true stories. You know, in this way that I knew Goodfellas was. I thought mm. Casino was more like Scorsese, and they oh they just you know they'd kind of just Goodfellas up a, a story. I didn't realize that it was actually so sort of based off yeah. all of these other yeah. things, which is so great. That's yeah, really, yeah. really like the only things they changed, and I'm not sure what the reason specifically was, but they really just kind of changed the names of everybody and right. uh, and like the hotel and all that. So it's, 
and there's a couple character adjustments they make, but it's pretty historically accurate. Um, with uh, there's one of my favorite exceptions though is obviously the scene uh, spoilers where uh, Joe Pesci's character meets his end. Um, really? And it's pretty brutal in the movie. It's, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. Um, it's brutal it's, to the point that every time that movie, it, when I think Casino and when I saw it as a teenager, that's the bit that stuck with me forever. Yeah. Is that yeah. shot and, of him, like, you know, as the dirt goes on his face and you've got, like, the, the breath kind of thing. It's so brutal. That's the animatronic way. Joe Pesci. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> you know, it, and one thing that's interesting, though, in real life, uh, I, your mileage might vary on whether or not this is worse or not. Um, they didn't meet them in a cornfield and beat him with baseball bats. Apparently the real guy thought his brother was going to be made, uh, be a made man. And it was that typical, like Sopranos, like scene. they go down to like a basement. They're like, Oh, he's going to get made. And then all of a sudden they realize everybody has gloves on. And it's like that. Oh shit. And they were beaten to death. Like they were actually like punched and kicked to death. Wow. And it's just, I don't know what's worse. Like, both are just, you know, absolutely horrific. I know but, why uh, they changed I'm that. pretty sure being beaten <laughs> with baseball bats and then thrown in a shallow grave uh, to be buried alive is pretty bad, dude. But that's <laughs> pretty, both are so bad. I'll but, tell you why. Oh. I bet I know why they changed that. Because if Joe Pesci had walked into a house where he thought someone was going to get made and got killed, it's exactly what happens in Good yeah. Oh, you know what? Yeah. You're right. So it's, it's, they had to do yeah. it differently. But I, that's something I want to talk about because it's something I always say to my missus. I go, this is my favorite little thing that Scorsese did in this movie because he's using his, he's doing Goodfellas basically, and he's using the voiceover to tell the story. And you've got Joe Pesci doing voiceover throughout the movie. So part of you is assuming he's going to make it. And he's doing mm-hmm. his own voiceover right up to the point he gets hit with a bat. And in the voiceover, he goes, ah! It's yeah. like no one's ever done that before yeah. or since. But he's doing the voice. It's all about the dollars. I bring my brother Dominic out and we're going, ah! He gets hit. His character is hit. And the voiceover guy goes, ow! And it yeah. works because you go, what? And then now imagine, imagine now if that restarted the movie from his perspective, and this movie is now six <laughs> hours long. Don't threaten me with a good time. Hey, now I bet you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> <laughs> My God! Wow! Excellent. That is one. One one thing I would like. One more historical thing I would like to add because it's something they didn't that came up after the movie was made that I bet Scorsese was really mad he found out about later, which is, so the character Sam uh, Ace Rothstein is based on Lefty Rosenthal, who's a real guy. What came out years later was that Rosenthal was an FBI informant and he was ratting on everybody the entire time. That's, and that is the plot device of The Departed. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what they bring in and they do with Jack Nicholson's character yeah. in The Departed. Look right. at all of this, yeah. man. This is Scorsese. Yeah. You just go to history and tell real yep. stories. Yep. But I thought that the was interconnected Scorsese verse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I'm looking up, like, you know, you, I remember this movie coming out. It's like, you know, it's only a few years after Goodfellas, what, five years? Great reviews, wins Oscars. But it's like during its five-day Thanksgiving holiday weekend, 
Casino opened in fifth and grossed 14 million. Made 43 domestically, 73 million internationally for a total of 116 against a 40, 50 million dollar budget. I mean, that's still a success, but that's wild. That if you had made me guess its opening weekend, I would have gone four times higher than yeah. what it did. I would have thought it opened at number one. Did Scorsese, De Niro, Pesci fifth at the box office? Yeah. What the heck? Rickles? <laughs> Rickles? Yeah. Kevin Pollock? I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's wild to me because I remember it being massive. But looking back at it, it's like, it's not in, as what I was thinking. Whereas, like, I mean, I've got to be honest, it's the box office of uh, Ocean's Eleven. Opening weekend grossed 38 million. You know, wow. that makes mm-hmm. sense. 183 million in the US and 267 million overseas. So nearly took in half a billion. You know, I mean, like, that's insane. And like, is there any information for Vegas Vacation? Let's see if we can find it. Oh, yeah. That, yeah that's, we'll, um, we'll move, move past it. Move past box it. office. It was released in cinemas and was later released on home video. What I dug up on it is it, it did make its money back. But that's about all Vegas Vacation. And that's all you have to say, right? There's no more after that? <laughs> <laughs> no one lost money on it. So. That's a success. <laughs> you know, Chevy Chase I, is still cashing those checks. I can see, you know, some of the criticism um, of it is that it's just, you know, Pesci's not that far removed from what he's doing in Goodfellas and Goodfellas, mm-hmm. and that Casino is not that far removed from Goodfellas either. But at the yeah. same time, I don't care. <laughs> For right. Me, I'm no. like, cool. It's, but now, it's another which movie. Is, but, you know, just back to back to the core, the, the, the core ethos of this podcast, which is the most representative of Nevada. Tough to say. Mm-hmm. I it's I I agree. Um I thought I knew which way this one was going. Um, because I picked casino, I got there first. I got it first, I got a casino, and you're like, everyone was so mad because you watch it. You picked that. I'm like, well, what what's why even do this episode? We should just all talk about casino for two hours. But then but. I watched then I, then I watched, so I, I think I, I watched Ocean's Eleven for, no, I watched Vegas Vacation first because it's obviously the best and it's going to win. <laughs> then I watched, um, I dovetailed that with uh, Ocean's Eleven because I just hadn't seen in a while. I think I took those down back to back and I watched Casino last night. I was saving that to mm-hmm. savor it. And mm-hmm. it's just, I know it's three hours long and I, it's just like heat. It's paced so well that it's like an easy watch and it just... You can, it's a movie you can turn on anytime and just mm-hmm. watch it because the plot is completely irrelevant. It's just a series, much like Days and Confused. It's just a bunch of conversations and things <laughs> happening here and there. Things oh, that happen, Scorsese, you know. Scorsese said happened. there's no plot to the movie. He said it's he did. Know. Yeah, he's he's openly. If you listen to the commentary, he's like, yeah, there's not a plot. It's just you're watching the story oh, unfold and things are just happening in this guy's yeah. life. I mean, you and he just he opens it. He opens it with, "You're probably wondering how I got here." Yeah. yeah. But you can actually break that movie down very simply of it's just, yeah, a guy, the mob gets a guy to run a casino in Vegas and things happen. Like there's yeah, no, you, brought like, this up, you, you brought this up in the Texas episode mentioning that Giant was his guilty pleasure, which is still mind boggling <laughs> to me. But that insert yeah. shot when she when Luz is on the horse with the spurs, you yeah. can really see the inspiration of that, like with the pen and yeah. the hammer, just like those insert violence. It makes the violence so much more visceral. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, you can you can see the inspiration that comes with it. Yeah, um, sure. The thing is, I mean, yeah, I'm to these are three very Vegas movies, very Vegas, and um, I think what I'm going to say with Casino is kind of what I said for Giant. Is it's yeah. so good, but it represents a Vegas that doesn't exist anymore. You know, that's even yeah. how I mean, that movie ends. It ends it, yeah, it ends yeah. on that note. With Saying all exactly, the like now you've got that great blow, blown out background shot yeah. of all these people in like velour oh, suits and all these like just yes. people like, you know, just like coming in to just lose their their, their money. And it's like, yeah. you know, he's saying all this stuff is some kid that doesn't even know your name with a high school graduation is like taking your five dollars and it's like it's ruined asking for your social security number whereas vegas vacation felt like i said the very vegas that i knew um but i think i'm personally i'm leaning towards oceans 11 being Mm -hmm. the one that gets you the feel of old old vegas the vibe of old Vegas, the music, blah, 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 blah. But also the feel and the stuff and the nuance of New Vegas and the technology and everything mm. else that's involved. So for me, I mean, I can't believe it, considering it's yeah. the greatest freaking movie ever made, that I'm <laughs> leaning towards Ocean Eleven. What are you guys thinking? Yeah. I was thinking th- throughout this week, I, again, this podcast is so, it's so interesting because it really changes the way you, ha- you th- I, I, for me, it changes the way I think about movies. So going into yeah. this, I was like, oh man, you're doing casino. That's for sure. I'm like, that's, that's the movie for me. And then as I got closer and I was thinking, just like you said, I'm like, yeah, you know, this movie for as Vegas as it is, does represent that old school style of Vegas compared to the other two films. And I think you're absolutely right. I think Ocean's Eleven really does merge that old school feeling with the new school vibe, like with every single actor in it and the stylistic choices and the wardrobe and, and the music even feels like it's pulled from the seventies. I think that's uh, it, it speaks volumes for that film. However, Ooh. however, <laughs> for me, I, what it doesn't have is they don't go to the Hoover dam. They're not on a radiation <laughs> site. They don't go to the old, like uh, the, the, the neon sign graveyard. So, I mean, it doesn't feel uh, as Vegas to me as uh, Vegas Vacation. You actually no vac- make there's an no vacation. excellent point. An excellent point because it is the only sort of one that features other parts of Nevada. You know, like as far as the state <laughs> goes, that I can, mm-hmm. I can take that argument and I can present it to a jury, Ryan. And, like, you know, mm-hmm. the potential <laughs> of like maybe getting a mistrial <laughs> I'm just I, like I said. Is it the best movie? Yes. Is it? <laughs> I, you but know, for me, if the argument is it, is it the most Nevada movie? Ooh, maybe that's a really bold, bold argument. So, Will, okay, let's. This, mm-hmm. this is getting interesting. Where are you landing? So, I, I am obviously going with Ocean's Eleven, but I have a very specific reason why I chose that, despite the fact that Ryan, you bring up a good point. And I, too, have like, you know, I ended up on Fremont Street on some of the more scummier side of of the Vegas Strip yeah. like they do in that. Movie. Do, yeah, so, for sure. you know, so that is relatable. However, Ocean's Eleven, the reason why I think it works is not only everything you guys have mentioned, it's a blend of like old school Vegas and new like it's a technology. It's got the glamour and vibe. But the biggest thing is it's a group of friends, um, even though they all meet in this movie, they become friends going to Vegas 
to beat the house. And mm-hmm. that's the dream. When you go to like Vegas, you want to like come out of there a winner. You want to be the one who like screws over the casino somehow, you know, and it's just the ultimate wish fulfillment. It's kind of why we all want to go. We all want to go and, you know, be like, you're all like nicely dressed and you're all going to Vegas with a mission. Usually that mission is just to like, you know, go to a few clubs, gamble and (laughs) and hookers. But the, the spirit is the same. You still want to like, conquer vegas and i feel like that's oh. what that would be captured but so i so i'm ostracized because i'm the one friend in that group that's like hey guys uh, instead of partying all day let's go check out the hoover dam uh, let's, let's go, go watch the neon graveyard yeah, <laughs> and you should be ostracized yes oh, um for shame right. well look before we make it official um especially when it came to to nirvana why don't we talk about the the also rans the movies that almost mm-hmm. made the list because to begin with before you went vegas vacation for the for a few minutes you were leaning towards fear and loathing in las vegas and stuff like that nice. i almost went with the hangover instead of casino mm-hmm. which is very very vegas they mm-hmm. try to take down the, the house and it's got a lot of the sort of stories as well. So what are some of the movies that almost made your list guys? Uh, for me, another one, cause it's not, I, when we talked about this, I know we briefly like set our ideas when you announced this last episode was what I didn't want to do is all pick like casino movies. Cause it's a hard thing to do. Like it's really easy to go for a casino or a fear and loathing. I wanted to pick something that's a little outside of that box. That's kind of why I picked Vegas vacation. Mm-hmm. But um, you had mentioned Tremors, which I absolutely love. Yeah. The more I th- the more I thought about it, I'm like, you know, that again, like we talked about previously, that movie could be set in like any desert. There's nothing that screams like Nevada about it. That's a hundred percent. Because when my wife said it, because yeah. she went in, I was like, oh, that's set in Nevada. I didn't realize that was actually yeah. my first reaction, even though I think it would have been a banger to talk about. I, that, is a, yeah. that is a great movie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, any excuse thought. to watch them. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, you mentioned the Hangover movies. I think, Ollie, you mentioned the, the Shanghai saga, which is like Rush Hour, but more racist. Right, yeah. <laughs> they, my missus, she's the one that Shanghai Noon was originally set in, uh, yeah. in Nevada as well, which would have been great to watch some Jackie Chan. Like I said, I'm like, yeah. there are some... That's why I know that this debate will continue for many, many, yeah. many episodes. You mentioned... You, you mentioned earlier, you mentioned Showgirls, which I always get confused with the, the, Demi, the Demi Moore one, uh, Striptease, because I think they came out around the same time. <laughs> Dude, right? no, no. Oh, Showgirls, I don't think, better. Yeah. Showgirls, so I much better. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, I love that Showgirls is getting the recognition now for maybe being a cult classic. Yeah, well, it's definitely a cult classic. It it's definitely not. It's not the other Verhoeven <laughs> movies, which have like, we're yeah, so no. far ahead of its time. People miss the nuance, you know, right. the, the under, there was no nuance to show girls. It no. was more just like, yeah, yeah, going, I wanted to see how much I could put on the screen. How many no, things? No, no nuance. No the nuance. One thing show girls lacked. The one thing show girls lacked was uh, a creepy old man coming out screaming. I'd buy that for a dollar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I would have <laughs> elevated that movie. I mean, that movie's honestly, that would probably would have won if we'd done it. It is a very, nevada vegas based yeah, that is true that is true we may have to revisit this episode what about you Were anything on your list of like you know movies we could have gone for? i mean you mentioned the ones that were like floating around in my head uh, i really was considering uh showgirls there for a minute because that is like that's a movie over the years i've introduced people to as like you you have to see it 
it's one of my favorite bad films. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love it. I love Paul Verhoeven and uh, me and my friend Michael actually had a, for a long time had a pitch for a movie that took place adjacent to Showgirls because there's a lot of weird things that happen in Showgirls. Like there's foreign press interviewing the Showgirls. Like why? And there's a whole scene where there's garlic eating monkeys that's like run around the <laughs> backstage and there's no explanation for it. So we wanted to write a movie that was a heist movie that explained why all those things were happening. And so, and it would be one of those, like, unless you were like a film nerd, <laughs> you wouldn't realize like showgirls is happening in the background of our film <laughs> and all the weird that's stuff awesome. is like stuff. Holy our shit. characters are caused. Yeah. We, we talked about it for a while. That's a great yeah, pitch. Right. If I put, it on, the, the put it on the board. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's hilarious yeah, i mean yeah any other movies other, i mean because i had I a few worth mentioning obviously leaving las vegas with nick cage right oh yeah mm-hmm. and then my my other favorite one which i even have a poster of in my house <laughs> god yeah i mean that movie yeah basically just the last scene of that movie but another one uh paul thomas anderson's hard eight which is uh, a really good movie that no one's ever seen i was about to say i was gonna say one, yeah i've never seen i've never heard of that right. pta movie same is that one of his first yeah. ones? Uh, I think it's pre-Boogie Nights. I'm not entirely yeah, That's sure. pretty much where everyone found out about Paul Thomas yeah, It's um, Hard 8. It's really good. Hard 8. It's, uh, it's got two Wait. titles. It's, no, I have seen this. I saw this like a couple months yeah, ago. This yeah, is, um, it's, got, it's got another title too. It's not, it's not always called Hard 8. It's, uh, I'm Googling it right now. Hard yeah. 8. This is originally titled Sydney. Yes. Yeah. This is a guy he teaches somebody to be a card shark, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I did see this. Never mind. John C. Riley. That's the impression. Exactly. Yeah. It's a very forgettable. Like it's not. It's not one of his best by any means, but his best film. But it's a good Paul Thomas Anderson movie that more people should see. Oh well, there you go. It was Paul Thomas Anderson's first feature film and was an expansion Ah. of the short film Cigarettes and Coffee. No. The main well, character, Sydney, was named after Hall's previous role in Midnight Run. Ah, well, there you go. That's an interesting... All right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, there you go. Ending on a movie no one's heard of, but they might want to watch. But it yeah, seems real, real that downer, guys. Real the downer. conclusion <laughs> that we've come to here on the United States of a movie podcast is that the movie that currently will define Nevada or Nevada, depending on how you pronounce it, to the rest of the world, for the rest of time, is the 2001 super movie, Vegas Oceans vacation. 11. Which means for the first time around, you came close for getting four weeks in a row. Yeah. You, you made a compelling argument for Vegas Vacation that honestly, for a minute, I bit my tongue going, oh no, he's done it again. Um, but we'll see I will never financially recover do. from this. Because uh, next week, I'm going to mix it up a little bit. Uh, because... We're going to do the state of North Carolina, which, oh yes, but not only are we doing North Carolina, but we're also going to be bringing in a very special guest who knows a lot about North Carolina, but also weirdly enough, knows a phenomenal amount about movies made in North Carolina. Um, I won't tell you who the guest is yet. I'll let you guys know off camera. But uh, yeah, next week... Well, it's, well, it's either guest. Chevy Chase or Joe Pesci. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be a good one. So yeah, get thinking. Oh, excited. Uh, get researching. There's, you know, there's a few that come to mind, but North Carolina 
Next week is the the state that we're taking down on the United States for a movie podcast. Uh, first of all, Ryan, Will, thanks to your excellent choices once again for this particular debate. And for anyone that's listening as well, thank you very much. Please uh, take the time after listening to this episode to rate us, uh, to, to share, to follow, let other people know. Join in the conversation. Come find us online. You can find me either at Ollie underscore Pettigrew, O-L-I, Ollie underscore Pettigrew, or that Englishman in Texas. You can find Will on TikTok as Entitled Willennial. Is that correct? Yep, that is uh, correct. And uh, you can't find Ryan anywhere, uh, but he I'll, does. I'll find you. you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan is outside your house right now, listeners. <laughs> all, right, all right, fellas. Time to, I guess, go watch Casino again. Uh, thank you so much yep. for the time. Thank you for the discussion. And I look forward to joining you next week for the United States of a Movie Podcast. Uh,